0: Hi, and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage podcast. I'm JD from uncoveringintimacy.com, and today I'm going to be answering some questions about uh, my credentials, uh, dealing with sex drive and long-term illnesses, falling out of love, self-control, and how to start leading when you haven't been for a while. So these questions are from our Have a Question page on the website. It's a page that we have that people can ask questions anonymously without having to worry that people are going to think that they're weird or that these questions are going to get out. I have no idea who these people are unless they explicitly tell me in the message, and so I have no way to reach out to them or anything. And It helps people feel safe that they can ask a question and get an answer without any kind of fear of reprisal or people thinking things about them. So the first question is, what are your credentials? This is the first question my wife will ask when I offer some information from your blog. This is not uncommon. I've had quite a few people say, look, i Talk to my wife about this, and uh, she wants to know what are your credentials. You know, are you a doctor, are you a therapist, what? And usually I don't share my credentials because really credentials don't mean that much in this field. You know, uh, my pastor, who is an actual pastor, he went to school uh, for it. He has a degree in theology. I believe he's working on his master's degree in divinity. And uh, he tells me that I'm more qualified to deal with relationships and to talk about communication than he is. And that's not uncommon. Uh, There's a lot of pastors who feel this way. Back in 2005, there was a survey done, and I'm going to share some of the stats from that. So 75% of the pastors felt that they were unqualified to lead or manage churches or to counsel others. 75% is three-quarters of them uh, felt that they they were not qualified to do this. And these are people who, again, they have degrees, uh, sometimes master's degrees, some of them doctorates, uh, and they feel they're unqualified. Uh, And Kind of the statistics of their lives show that as well. You know, seventy-seven percent of them felt that they themselves didn't have a good marriage. How can they be teaching other people how to have a good marriage? And thirty percent of them said that they've had affairs with parishioners. Uh, Another thirty-eight percent have either been divorced or or were in the process of being divorced at the time of the survey. My point is, you know, just because you have a master's of divinity or a degree in theology doesn't mean that you're necessarily qualified. And it's not just pastors either. Either um, Counselors and therapists and social workers and sociologists, they all have divorce rates well above the national average in the U.S. And often uh, the professions that they're in to try to help people, they don't always do as much help as uh, they perhaps should. You know, 38% of couples who receive marriage therapy end up divorced within the next four years. And, I mean, that's... That may sound a little shocking, Uh, it's not really that surprising because people typically only go to a marriage counselor once they're already having problems and they're already on their way to a divorce. Uh, But 25% of the couples who received marriage therapy said that their relationship was worse two years later, and that's that's a little startling. Uh, And my whole point is that, you know, credentials aren't everything. And uh, usually when people are asking for credentials, like what is their credentials, it usually means they're getting prepared to reject whatever you're going to say to them. It's their shield so that if you tell them something that they feel convicted about but they don't want to change, that they can throw it out. Because ultimately truth is truth and it doesn't matter if a doctor is telling you it or a pastor is telling you it or some guy on the street is telling you it. Uh, a lot of the times you know it. And it doesn't really matter where it comes from. If, if you feel the spirit telling you this is right. Uh, but lots of times we like to use these things to say, Oh, well, I don't have to listen to them because they're not qualified. But, uh, since you asked, uh, I have a diploma in, uh, marriage and premarital counseling. I have five years of experience blogging and researching about sex and marriage. I have a 16 year marriage of my own with my wife. She's my only wife. She will always be my only wife. Uh, I have five children, uh, ages 10 and under. Um, I have many coaching clients. I'm afraid I don't have a number off the top of my head. Uh, and I have no idea how many emails I've answered uh, to people asking about questions and how many responses that I've got saying, um, thank you for the help and things have improved. Every week, I get an email from somebody telling me uh, that their marriage is better. And I have the privilege to be part of that solution. And uh, I'm not saying that to brag, I'm saying, you know, some of these things are, I consider part of my credentials. As well, I've done webinars, I've had radio shows ask me to uh, go on and be part of their panels, and I've done it. Some some web talk radios, um, some live radios, stations, as well. uh, My blog, UncoveringIntimacy.com, gets about a million page views a year, and about 250,000 people um, visit every year looking for solutions to their own marriage problems. And frankly, they wouldn't keep coming if they weren't actually finding the help that they want. And this podcast, uh, we're only in our 30th episode and it's got about 50,000 downloads and it keeps growing every week. And last year I was quoted, uh, in a book by Kathy Lip and Aaron McPherson. It's called Hot Mama, 12 Secrets to a Sizzling Hot Marriage. And it's, a like a real published book. And, and they had a lot of, uh, marriage experts, uh, who are licensed, um, practicing therapists and counselors. Uh, I was quoted more in the book than any of them as a, quote-unquote sex educator. So that's kind of the gamut of my credentials. And again, at the end of the day, it honestly doesn't matter that much. If something makes sense to you, if you read it and you're like, this is going to help my marriage, then you know it's going to help your marriage. Yes, sometimes having the credentials is helpful to get past that first initial um, kind of shield of your spouse. And Believe me, I've had many, many people come to me and say, oh, my wife won't listen to you, or my husband won't listen to you because you're not a therapist, you're not a doctor, you're not a pastor. And uh, a lot of them come back later going, you know what, they were skeptical, but now uh, now they see the value in what you're saying. And if you really need to wave the credentials flag, then, yeah, you can say, JD has a diploma in marriage and premarital coaching, and uh, he also has a very happy marriage. Uh, not only that, but we started off with a very unhappy marriage, so I have experienced <laughs> moving marriages from unhappy to happy, both in my own and with many of my coaching clients as well. The next question is, hello, uh, my wife is sick and can barely have sex. As a man, I have strong urges, but I always feel bad asking her when she's been sick for months. Sometimes I feel like I'm being abusive. Never have I thought of cheating with another woman. I love her with all my heart and I love God. I want to do, I want to obey Him with everything. When I'm alone, I think of her and masturbate. Is this wrong? It helps me not bother her and I pray for her recovery. Now, uh, my, my opinion is that, uh, yeah, I don't think a couple should masturbate alone. Uh, that should not be a solo act. Uh, and many people disagree with me and, you know, you'll have to decide for yourself where your conviction lies there. But what I wanted to address more in this post, uh, because I talk about the subject of masturbating a lot on the blog lots of times because it's been brought up countless times. Uh, but I wanted to answer this person to say, why don't you talk to your spouse about it? You know, ask her, see what she says. Uh, for many of them, I bet they'd much rather you do it with them in their presence. Even if they can't participate, even if you can't have sex, you know, you might be able to manage mutual masturbation or just uh, her being there and being supportive with you. And then at least it can be a shared experience, even if you can't have sex because of the illness. I know it's difficult and somebody's going to say, oh, well, you don't know what it's like unless you've been in their shoes. And I agree. I don't know what it's like unless I've been in their shoes. Uh, But Time and time, what I see the Bible telling us is, you know, prepare what you're going to do before you're in this situation. Because once you're in this situation, we as humans, we tend to make really stupid decisions. Uh, We let our emotions and we let our urges um, dictate what it is we're going to do unless we've purposely decided beforehand how we're going to act and uh, how we're going to follow God. So I think you should talk to your wife uh, one of these times when you're not feeling that uh, immediate urge, when you can speak rationally, you can be, speak calmly, you can be loving, and you can say, hey, here's a struggle uh, that we are having in our marriage. How can we address that? All right, this next question, this reader writes, Hi, JD. I've communicated to my husband about trying new things and not holding back after 13 years of marriage. He is recently making changes for spiritual growth, which I'm all for. It seems to me that he doesn't really give our sex life a thought. I've tried lingerie and listening when he tells me about the stress he feels. I'm to the point now where sex isn't even a thought for me, and I feel differently when we do have sex. Like part of me has no more spirit for sex. What can I do? Is this all a stage of falling out of love with my husband? So that can be hard. Uh, when you have a spouse focusing on one area of your relationship... Uh, sometimes to the detriment of other areas of marriage or, uh, so that they're not focusing on anything else. Uh, that's a, that's an issue. Uh, it really shouldn't happen that way. We, we shouldn't be so focused on one thing that we start ignoring everything else. But sometimes it's a lot easier just to focus on one thing. And if this spiritual growth in his life, uh, allows him to open up a little bit more towards sex and uh, other things, then this might be the change that you need in your marriage, and you might just need to be patient. But you should definitely have a conversation about it and say, hey, this is causing problems, and this is causing stress in our relationship, and it's causing me to worry. You asked, is this a stage of falling out of love with your husband? That's entirely up to you. Uh, when people fall out of love, it is not that uh something has changed in the relationship. It is something has changed in your mindset. Uh, you've decided that you are no longer getting what you want out of the relationship. And so you're, you begin to check out. So <clears throat> whenever someone says that they, they just fell out of love, uh, they say that because they don't want the blame to be placed on them. They don't want to accept responsibility for their own, uh, feelings and for directing their own heart. And that's what our t- society tells us to do. It's our kind of, uh, easy out for saying, I'm not getting what I want and it sounds a lot less selfish. But really, that's what it's covering up. It's covering up the selfish desire of, uh, I'm I'm not getting what I feel I deserve in this relationship. And so then I don't feel loved, and therefore I'm checking out. So is this a stage of falling out of love with your husband? That's up to you. Um, if you make a concerted effort, and you make the decision to say, I'm going to stay in this marriage uh, because I've Chosen to love my husband, then no, there's no reason it has to be. And you can probably get through this period and, uh, move on to something else and move on to the next phase of your relationship. And this period might actually build it up because you can learn, uh, to be self disciplined and to not let your emotions control your choice to love your spouse. I'm not gonna lie, that's, it's a difficult thing to do, but it is definitely possible to do. And so it may be that, you know, with all these changes in his spirituality, uh, the change perhaps in the direction of life that he's trying to do is causing a lot of stress, and stress uh, can definitely be a, a killer of arousal patterns and what we call sex drive and everything else. Uh, so it could be that it's not that he doesn't love you and it's not that he doesn't find you attractive, it's just that his brain is under constant stress right now, and so it's not. It's not even open to inputs about sex, and so it may be that he needs to uh, find ways to uh, express himself so that he can, uh, so he can share that burden with you, uh, so he can not feel as stressed. He can kind of close a stress cycle, uh, because this is a problem that happens a lot in our society that we we constantly feel this stress, and so it constantly kind of hits the brake on our arousal patterns. But really, I think what needs to happen is uh, you said you've com- communicated to your husband about these things. Um, I don't know if you have communicating with your husband. And those are two di- very different things. One is saying, just telling them, this is what I want. And the other one is saying, this is our issue together in our marriage. How are we going to solve it as a team? It shouldn't be approached with, uh, you're not giving me what I want but rather that uh, we have an issue there that really needs to be discussed and we need to find a solution to together. Next, I have two questions that I thought I'd tackle at the same time because I think that they're uh, definitely related and uh, I have the same answer for both of them. So the first one is, my question is, I've been married for five years now and for the past two years, my wife lost all sexual desires. We have sex like three times a month now and now I'm catching myself masturbating a lot and I don't want to go out and cheat per se please need advice. The second one is my wife doesn't want to have sex with me. She will about once every 10 days to 21 days, but she says she doesn't want to. How does a man just turn it off and still bond to her? I find myself pulling away and I feel like I could be tempted to look somewhere else. So these two questions have a lot of similarities. Uh, they're married. The uh, both of them, the husband is the high drive spouse. Not that that really makes a difference in this case. Uh, for both of them, the well—they say their wife has lost all desire, doesn't want to have sex with them. But in both of them, they're saying they're having sex three times a month, about uh, maybe less. So the first thing I have to address is, you know, what three times a month is—is is not like it's not a lot, but it's far more than uh, marriages that are typically considered like in dire straits. Like typically we call a sexless marriage one that's less than 10 times a year. So that's less than once a month. And uh, depending on what's going on in your life, uh, three times a month might actually be a pretty good frequency. Uh, I know for us, when we have young children and they're not sleeping through the night yet and you're still getting up multiple times, uh, if you're having sex more than once a week or even once a week, uh, that's pretty good. Now I'm not saying it's not an issue. I'm just saying, Hey, this should not be something that makes you go out and cheat. I mean, you're still having sex, what, at least every other week. And so if you're worried about cheating, then frankly, you have a lot of work to do with self-control. And same thing with masturbating. I mean, if there's no reason that you can't wait less than two weeks to have sex. Um, again, I'm not saying it's ideal, uh, but I am saying that if your spouse finds out that you can't wait that long to have sex and that you'd rather damage the relationship rather than wait for her, then you might find that that number of uh, sex three times a month drops significantly. Because I get emails constantly from wives saying they just found out their husband has been masturbating secretly, and it hurts them so much that they no longer want to have sex at all. And it's a struggle to try to convince them sometimes to even stay in the marriage, uh, because for a lot of wives that is that is the same as cheating. So one of the questions was, how does a man just turn it off and still bond to her? You don't. You don't turn it off. Uh, you can't. You don't pretend it's not there. Uh, this is a desire that God gave you, and it's natural and it's healthy. And trying to get rid of it is like trying to ask God to break His creation and I don't think he's going to honor a request like that. But I think it is important to talk to your wife about it and say, hey, this is the struggle that we are having, because this is a relationship struggle. This is not your struggle alone. Uh, and to say, what can we do about it? Can we seek help? Can we get an outside opinion? And uh, I have lots of couples that come to me for that outside opinion. I'm try to my best to be very fair and to listen to both sides and explain to both sides, hey, this is what's going on. This may be why you're not wanting to have sex, and this is what sex means to him on an emotional and even a chemical level. <clears throat> because a lot of spouses find that uh, it's helpful to have somebody outside of it to kind of mediate that discussion and to kind of point them into in the direction where they can each kind of stop looking at uh, what makes me happy, and instead focus on their spouse and say, well, I'm going to work towards making them happy instead. Uh, because that's really how marriage is designed to work. That if we stop serving ourselves and we start serving our spouse, as long as both spouses are doing that, you get a far better return than if both spouses are being selfish. So my advice is talk to your spouse about it. Tell them this is a struggle. Tell them that you're feeling tempted and... It, and acknowledge that you have uh, some work to do in the area of self-control and ask them for help doing that. And If you need help, you can reach out to me. Uh, You can email me at j at uncoveringintimacy.com. Again, I've helped many couples through uh, discussions like this. The last question for today is uh, comes from one of our male readers. He says, I'm naturally a bit submissive, or maybe I've just been lazy as a husband and haven't taken the reins of my family as God has designed. I failed in the leadership of our family, married 13 years, four boys, and I feel like I've let my de- wife down and placed burdens on her that I, as head of our household, should have carried or be carrying. Any advice or how might I go about taking these reins back, communicating with my wife about this, and leading my family properly in a godly fashion? How might I communicate my desire and God's desire for her, and general discussion of rules in marriage? Great blog, by the way, and maybe you've already touched on this topic. Sincerely, Stepping Up. Uh, I have touched on this topic a bit. I have a couple posts. That you might want to check out. I'll stick them in the show notes, uh, links to them. Um, you can check it. You can find it on our blog. Just look for episode 30 in the podcast section. If not, you can search on the blog for household. And I think you'll get uh, three or four posts there about the topic. Uh, one of them on what the Bible says. One of them on our physiology, uh, specifically how our brains are configured and, uh, a third one on, uh, what the leader in the household kind of means for the husband. Cause a lot of people misunderstand it and think that, Oh, you know, as leader of the household, you get whatever you want. And that's really not how it works. It's more about accepting responsibility for everything. And that can be a, a pretty big role to take on. So how do you ease into this role? Especially if you've been married for 13 years and you haven't been doing it and you've got kids who haven't been watching you do it and they're used to taking direction from the mother. And the two things that I would say is have a discussion about it with your wife, which I which is pretty much my answer for everything is you should talk to your spouse more. By anyways, talk about it and say hey, this is how you're feeling and ask her what she thinks.'ll we'll ask her what her opinion is. And I find that most wives, the vast majority in fact um, want their husbands to take more of a leadership role to step up more. Um, however, at the same time, they also fight against it. And part of this is because men typically have done such a bad job of this in the last generation or two that they don't feel safe kind of giving over control. They feel like the family's going to fall apart. And they're kind of right to think this because if you're not prepared to do it, then yeah, it would fall apart because there are many, many men that are very passive in their role as the leader of the family. And unfortunately, we've kind of been breeding Christian men to do this. Uh, we keep telling them to be, uh, more meek and more passive and more. Uh, merciful, and we don't teach them really how to lead and how to be aggressive in a good way and amb- ambitious in a good way, and to uh, step up and to take control, again, in good ways that are not um, domineering, but instead are um, sacrificial leaders. So how do you start doing this in the beginning? Uh, the easiest thing is to pick small things, um, small wins, things that Uh, she can hand over that won't feel like they might devastate the family. And generally these things are things that aren't being done yet. Uh, I'd start with uh, spiritual aspects of the family because often when the man steps out of that role, um, there are a lot of wives who won't pick it up. And I'm not really sure what the reason for that is. It's just, it's kind of one of those things that if nobody's focused on spirituality, then it kind of doesn't happen. Uh, it just kind of falls by the wayside because it's something you can drop and you don't feel any immediate loss. Uh, and it's not a really big measurable gain that you feel in a family. Like you can't look at it and go, Oh, that's because we have a strong, uh, spiritual underpinning for our family. However, it does affect the whole family. It's just in, in more subtle and uh, all encompassing ways. So it's hard to pinpoint. So I would, I would start leading prayers. Uh, that would be the big thing you know make sure that at meals um, you do family prayers uh, if you can start family devotions uh, at the very least maybe the best first step is to start prayers with your wife every night and that can be really difficult and really awkward to do and I have a post on my blog about praying with your spouse um, I'll link to it again in the show notes so just check for episode thirty, and the hardest thing is getting started. Uh, I know when we started in my marriage, uh, it it was weird and it's awkward at first, and it gets easier, to the point that it's now a habit, and we just not that we do it without thinking, but it we just assume that that's what's going to happen, and that's an easy way to kind of step into the role that you can show that you can do something, you can be in charge of something, and from there it can spread. That can be kind of A keystone change in your marriage that this one thing uh, brings more changes after it. And that's it for today. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast and if you're listening on uh, iTunes, uh, please give us a rating and leave a review. Uh, it helps other people uh, find out about us and uh, decide to listen or not. And if you have any questions, uh, you can contact me directly at j at uncoveringintimacy.com. If you're looking for more help in your marriage, be sure to check out our blog. And we have hundreds of articles and other resources. Uh, we have printables and books and question starters and more. And if you want to help support this ministry, uh, check us out on Patreon, or you can go to uncoveringintimacy.com slash champion, and there you can find out about our secret Facebook group, which is just a community of uh, some of our listeners and readers uh, who have supported our blog. And we talk about, well, we talk about basically everything in our life that's going on, and we ask other people for uh, their experiences and their uh, and their wisdom. Uh, what their thoughts are, and it's it's really a good, strong uh, group of uh, Bible-believing, sex-positive Christians uh, from all different uh, age groups, and it's really an amazing group to be a part of. And lastly, uh, we just started our DietBet.com game. Actually, it launches tomorrow morning is the official thing. So people are weighing in now. You can still weigh in at any time in the next two weeks. Uh, we're looking to lose 4% of our body weight, and I'm going to be helping people do that by teaching them a bit more about the neuroscience involved in habits, um, how to figure out what your habits are, and how to change the routines in those habits um, step by step so you can actually kind of re-engineer your life. Uh, without as much trouble as trying to stop things cold turkey and start new habits. So if you're interested in doing that, it's kind of like a mini workshop. Uh, it costs you $50 to get in, but if you make your bet, which I think if you do all the homework and you stick to your plans, then there's no reason you can't, then you get that $50 back. Anyways, you can check that out at uncoveringintimacy.com slash And you can also check out our Facebook page. Uh, Just search for Uncovering Intimacy, and we pop up. So that's all for now, and hopefully we'll be back with another podcast soon.